Hello, and welcome to the Hardcore Zen Podcast. I'm Brad Warner. I will be your host. I am the author of Hardcore Zen, Letters to a Dead Friend about Zen, Sit Down and Shut Up, Sex, Sin, and Zen, and many other fine books about Zen Buddhism and other stuff. This podcast is supported solely by your donations, and if you would like to donate, you can go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and Patreon accounts. Those are my main ways of making a living, and I really appreciate your support. But this podcast is offered for free, so you don't gotta donate if you don't want to donate. All right, this is part two of my podcast about the Dogen essay, Buddhas Alone Together with Buddhas, and that is my dog Ziggy sighing in the background because he thinks this is boring. Anyway, this is part two, and in part one, I read you my paraphrase that I made in the style of my books, Don't Be a Jerk, and uh, what's it called? Um, what's it called? It came from Beyond Zen. Uh, I made paraphrases of various Dogen uh, essays, and I made one for uh, Buddhas Alone Together with Buddhas, which I read in my previous podcast, so you can find it there. Or if you go to Patreon and look for me on Patreon, Brad Warner, you can find it all laid out for you with all my notes and stuff in there, too, if you want to read along while I do this. But I'm not going to read the whole thing again to you now because I read it to you in the previous episode. I just want to kind of talk about it now. So the first thing we got to talk about is the title. The title is Yuibutsu Yobutsu, which means Buddhas alone together with Buddhas or only a Buddha and a Buddha. The problem with translating it is that the uh, Japanese language does not have true plurals, so you can't really make a, a plural in Japanese. So it could be Buddhas alone together with Buddhas. That's what my teacher Nishijima Roshi translated as translated it as with his student Mike Cross. Or it could be only a Buddha and a Buddha, which is, I believe, the way Tanahashi uh, and friends who uh, wrote the uh, San Francisco Zen Center version of the Centri- of the uh, Shobogenzo, that's how they translated it. Uh, Hubert Nierman, in his translation, calls it on each Buddha on his own, together with all Buddhas. Kind of an interesting way to uh, to solve that little dilemma. So there's various ways to translate it, but any way you translate it, it comes from the Lotus Sutra. And this is the full quote from the Lotus Sutra. Uh, let me see. The translation I'm using is the one by, uh, let's see, originally uh, Buno Kato and William Suthill. Uh, revised by Wilhelm Schiffer and Yoshiro Tamura. Okay, and it comes out as uh, the Threefold Lotus Sutra. That's the the version of the book in 1975. That's when it was originally published. I think there's still a, a version you can get from Amazon or whoever. Anyway, this is their version of the quote. It goes. Buddhas alone, together with Buddhas, are directly able to perfectly realize that all dharmas are real form. What is called all dharmas is form as it is, the nature as it is, body as it is, energy as it is, action as it is, causes as they are, conditions as they are, effects as they are, results as they are, and the ultimate state of equality of substance and detail as it is. 
The translation by Burton Watson is a bit different, and here's how Burton Watson gives it. He says, The true entity of all phenomena can only be understood and shared between Buddhas. This reality consists of the appearance, nature, entity, power, influence, inherent cause, relation, latent effect, manifest effect, and their consistency from beginning to end. So that's quite different sounding. Now, I am no expert in reading Chinese, but when I look at the Chinese characters which are included in the Nishijima cross version of Shobo Genzo in uh, book one, in which he has an appendix in which he includes all of the quotes from the Lotus Sutra that D- Dogen uses throughout Shobo Genzo, not just in volume one, and, uh, and gives them in Chinese and in the, uh, sorry, Buno Kato version of English, Buno Kato being the original author. Let's just call it that version. Anyway, uh, that was, uh, that's where the first one that I just read was from. And I'm no expert in reading Chinese, but if you read Japanese, you can read a little bit of Chinese. And looking at it myself, I trust the Buno Kato version a lot more than the Burton Watson version. So that's the one I'm going to go with as authoritative. And so what in the heck does that all mean? One of the problems is that we're dharmas. So uh, let me go a little bit into that. That's a hard one. The uh, There's a book called uh, Helgoland by Carlo Rovelli that I did a, 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 what do you call it, a review of it on my YouTube channel. And he gives uh, a little bit about a philosopher, a Western philosopher named Ernst Mach. And Ernst Mach uses a term elements. And according to Rovelli, uh, in a sense similar to Dharma in Buddhist philosophy. So Dharma is a very sort of vague word that means stuff. You know, in, in originally it meant Buddha's teachings, but it came to mean by the time things like the Lotus Sutra were composed, it means like everything. Everything is a dharma. You know, my dog sitting over here on the couch is a dharma. I am a dharma. You listening to this is a dharma. The, the fact of you listening to this is a dharma. So dharma is a kind of a catch-all term. So when he says all dharmas are real form, let me say that, yeah, all dharmas are real form, uh, that's attributed to the Buddha. Of course, the Lotus Sutra was composed many, many, many years after the Buddha was dead, so it's kind of dubious historically whether the Buddha actually said any of this stuff, but People like Dogen are comfortable with attributing these things to the Buddha, and probably he, we don't want to think of Dogen as a dummy. I don't think of Dogen as a dummy. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a tendency for modern people to go, oh, those people back 800 years ago, they really didn't know. I think Dogen knew that the Lotus Sutra's historiosity was uh, questionable, but anyway, he still decided to attribute the words of the Lotus Sutra that are, that are attributed to the Buddha to the Buddha. Whether that's historically true, that it's from the Buddha who lived 2,500 years ago or not, I don't think really matters in most, uh, in most cases when the Mahayana teachers are talking about it. So he says, all dharmas are real form, and what is called all dharmas is form as it is, nature as it is, body as it is, energy as it is, action as it is, causes as they are, conditions as they are, effects as they are, results as they are, and the ultimate state of equality and substance in detail as it is. So 
He's saying everything just as it is, is real dharmas. The just as it is part is the difficult bit. And that's where we get into Buddhas alone, together with Buddhas, are only able to realize this, are directly able to realize this and perfectly realize this. Uh, so that's what we'll be talking about. Uh, it's a difficult thing, and I could probably spend hours on this and still just make myself and all of you confused. So I'm just going to move on uh, to something I think is uh, real interesting that happens right at the beginning of the piece. So if we read the Nishijima cross version of uh, Buddhas Alone Together with Buddhas, the very first line is, the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by people. Now, if we read that same bit from Tanahashi and his co-translators, Tanahashi never translated the things alone. He always worked with somebody else's Kazuaki Tanahashi I'm talking about. I'm not sure who he worked with on this. It might be Ed Brown. Uh, I'm not absolutely certain. But at any rate, they translate the first line as Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person. I actually like their version better than the Nishijima cross version. And as I said at the beginning, one of the problems is there's no true plurals in Japanese or in Chinese. So you have to infer it from context. And in this case, there's no context. Uh, but I'm going to get to that because I want to tell you about a couple other translations, one of which I think is wrong and one of which I think just kind of splits the difference. Uh, the Hubert Nierman translation goes, the Buddha Dharma is something that ordinary people cannot recognize. That's the version I think is wrong because it does not have any modifier in the original. It, it just says hito, which means... Uh, person or people. So it could mean a person as the Tanahashi version has it or uh, people as the Nishijima cross version has it, but it doesn't doesn't say ordinary people. The reason that Hubert Nierman makes it ordinary people is I think he's reading it as uh, a, a as the first two lines are a uh, repeating the same thing, which I do not uh, read them as repeating the same thing. So what are the first two lines, Brad? Okay, let me tell you. You can hear me shuffling all the books around, right? So Nishijima Cross has, the Buddha Dharma cannot be realized, sorry, it says, the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by people. For this reason, since ancient times, no common man has realized the Buddha Dharma and no one in the two vehicles has mastered the Buddha Dharma. That's Nishijima Cross version. So that common man, the word is, uh, let me see, make sure I pronounce this right, Bompu. And it's a word that is kind of a specialized Buddhist term, uh, usually mean unenlightened person. But it kind of says common man. That's that's the actual, if you took the two kanji, the Chinese characters that spell it out apart, it means common and man. Uh, the actual, the, the second character, uh, actually in modern Japanese, tends to mean husband. So it, it refers to a, a male person, but it's the same in Japanese as it is in a lot of languages where if you don't know the gender of the person, you just say man. So common man is more like common human. But uh, 
I don't take these two as a as a double statement of as a repeating statement of the same thing the way Hubert Nierman does. I think he really means Dogen really means to say the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person. Now, if I want to tell you the version that splits the difference, this is Kosen Nishiyama with his co-translators has it the Buddhist Dharma cannot be understood through rational and intellectual study. None who has looked at Buddhism in this way has ever attained enlightenment. Uh, neither Shravakas nor Hinayanas can clarify the Dharma, for it is the Buddhas alone who can do so. So this is a kind of mishmash of a lot of the lines in the first uh, paragraph of the, of the piece. Uh, he also says, The Lotus Sutra states only a Buddha can transmit to a Buddha, and only a Buddha understands the truth entirely. Which, since you just heard me read the, uh, the version from the Lotus Sutra, you can see how he's paraphrased, how Kosen Nishiyama and his people have paraphrased it. Just a little rant from me. One of the things I continuously fail to understand when I look at the works of Dogen scholars these days is why so many of them do not cite the Nishijima and Cross translation. I really honestly do not understand why, because it is the best translation. And, I, and I'm, I'm biased, of course, when I say that because Nishijima Roshi was my teacher. But just looking at it objectively for years and comparing translations and comparing the original Japanese and so forth, you can't get any closer. Well, I won't say you can't get any closer. There is no version that exists that has gotten closer to putting into English what it actually says in Japanese than the Nishijima Cross version. That's the version that does it the best. If you want to know what it says in Japanese in Shobogenzo, go to the Nishijima Cross version. It is like putting on a pair of magic glasses that allow you to read Japanese all of a sudden or something like that. It's really, really, really close. Other versions always, um, you know, kind of try to interpret it for you, but Nishijima and Cross just give you exactly what it says. There's a couple of really small places I've noticed where they get interpretive, but for the most part, they really stick to what it actually says. And what it actually says is the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person. Now, I know I'm using the Tanahashi version there, but I, I happen to like the singular better than the plural. But let's talk about what it means when he says the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person. To me, this line is extremely profound, and it really points to the problem of what is so-called enlightenment. So the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person means to me, again, I probably don't need to say that all the time, but people, you know, get mad. I can't look into Dogen's mind and tell you what Dogen would say if you could teach him English and put him on this podcast and have him tell you what it means. So you're, you're just going to have to <laughs> go with what I say. You know, you don't have to go with it, but this is all I can do is just give you what I say. And what I think it means <laughs> is that the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person means you cannot you cannot stand here in your state of personhood as a subject and know the Buddha Dharma as an object. That's what he's saying. So, so when you say a person, the question to me always becomes, well, what is a person? Because a person defined in Buddhism becomes extraordinarily complicated. 
I have a book in my little collection of Buddhist books called Indian Buddhist Theories of Persons, Vasubandhu's Refutation of the Theory of a Self uh, by James Durlinger. I don't even remember where I got this. I think I got this... Golly, I don't know where I got it. Uh, Probably at the last bookstore in downtown L.A. And it really goes into some stuff about what is and isn't a person. I mean, it goes on and on for, for ages. Just to baffle you a little bit, here's a quote. Uh, this is the Pug, Pug, sorry, Pudgalavadin's theory of persons. Is the Pudgalavadin's theory of persons consistent with the doctrine of two realities? The answer that we are neither substantially real nor real by way of a conception because we are conceived in reliance upon collections of aggregates. But if we are conceived in reliance upon collections of aggregates, we must be the same in existence as the collections. They reply that we are conceived in... Oh, my gosh. It just goes on and on. So uh, I, I, I'm just giving you that as an example to give you the sort of background that Dogen is probably trying to put in a very tight, compact sentence when he says the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person. So he's calling into question this very idea of personhood, that you are a person who is an individual entity who can sit outside of the rest of reality and judge it and say, this is the Buddha Dharma and I am knowing it. The actual quotation from Dogen, in case you're curious and know some Japanese, is Bupo, which means Buddhism or the Buddha Dharma, Wa, as for the Buddha Dharma, hito ni shirubeki, uh, known, can be known by a person, niarazu, uh, negates that. So, uh, bupo wa hito no shirubeki niarazu. The Buddhist Dharma cannot be known, the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person. So, he's calling into question the very idea of personhood. And he will get more into that as the piece goes along. But let's just get back to, uh, let's see, my paraphrase. Since olden times, no person, that's uh, bom, Bompu, what I, what I translate as Bompu, has realized the Buddha Dharma. No one has ever understood the Buddha Dharma through intellectual study or through some kind of inborn wisdom. That's my translation of, uh, he says, uh, hijo, which means the two vehicles. By the two vehicles, it can't be understood. And the two vehicles are Shravaka and Pratyaka Buddha. Shravaka is a person who understands Buddha, Buddhism, uh, well, Dharma, whatever he understands, he or she understands, through hearing it. And Pratyaka Buddha is somebody who has kind of inborn wisdom or naturally, uh, spontaneously acquires uh, enlightenment. Acquires is kind of a bad word in there, but that's my translation of that. Uh, it is realized only by Buddha along with Buddha. That's how I put it in my paraphrase. As it says in the Lotus Sutra, Buddhas alone together with Buddhas uh, are able to perfectly realize it. So that's what I said there. Now, the next paragraph, at least the paragraphing is weird because Dogen writes these incredibly long paragraphs, but there are there are different places where English translators tend to break it up. So the next paragraph in that, in that sense of, of breaking it up, this is the Nishijima Cross version, says, when we perfectly realize it while still as we are, we would never have thought previously that realization would be like this. That's the version I kind of 
grew up with. I don't know. That was a version I heard from the Nishijima Cross translation. And then one day I happened to be at Tasahara Zen Monastery and somebody read the Tanahashi version. And here's another place where I actually prefer the Tanahashi version. And here's what they say. When you realize Buddha Dharma, you do not think this is realization just as I expected. I really like putting it that way. I think Nishijima and Cross are trying to say the same thing, but uh, their version gets a little convoluted and doesn't really hit home. So nobody, when they has has no, that's bad grammar. Nobody, when they have a, an experience of realization, goes, "Oh boy, this is realization exactly like what I expected it to be." And Dogen goes into this a little further. Let me read you from my paraphrase. This is what I have. No matter what you might have imagined realization would be like, actual realization is nothing like what you imagined. So it's not very useful to imagine what realization will be like and set your sights on attaining that imaginary thing. I'm doing a little editorializing there, but I think that's what Dogen means to say. Uh, when you have attained realization, you don't know why you're now in a state of realization. That's an important point. Having thoughts about what realization will be like doesn't help you attain realization. And I think this is an issue for people of a certain bent, uh, and I'm probably one of those people, who got into Buddhism and you know, this whole meditation thing, zazen, and all that, in order to hopefully attain realization, uh, attain some kind of understanding of who I am and what the world is. And so when you start off doing that, if that's what your intention is, uh, of course, intention is a bad word in Zen, but let's leave that aside for the moment. If that's your intention, then you're going to have thoughts about what realization is going to be like. Some of those thoughts, uh, if you're me, I'll just explain what mine are like. were like. Uh, we're sort of this vague idea that I would be eternally with it, and I would get this state where I understood everything uh, and was kind of above everybody else and was like, you suckers, you don't know what you're talking about. I know everything. La-di-da, here I am you know, the fully enlightened one. I thought maybe it would be like that. And my own experience of the thing is that I have had the sorts of experiences that people call Kensho or Satori or awakening or moments of enlightenment and blah, blah, blah. And if you read my book, Hardcore Zen, I describe probably the biggest and most significant one of those moments. And I tried to describe it again in my book, uh, There Is No God and He Is Always With You. And so in both of those books, I tried to explain the experience. And the experience, I would say, would be something like what Dogen says cannot, when he says it cannot be known by a person. So it's like my personhood, my sense of being an individual relating to the world or to the universe as an object disappears. Uh, I think uh, I think you could say that for a moment there, there was no Brad involved at all. There was no Brad as an individual entity looking out on the world involved at all. Everything just, the, the barriers fell down. 
it probably, you know, in, in physical by-the-clock terms happened for a second or two seconds or a few seconds, not very long at all. But it was enough to really, really radically alter everything, absolutely everything that I thought I understood up until that moment. So I can neatly divide my life into before and after that moment. And I've talked about this way too much. Uh, I, I don't think people should talk about this, is what I was going to say. The tradition in Soto uh, Buddhism, Soto Zen Buddhism, Dogen's uh, version of Buddhism, is that we don't talk about these things. We don't talk about these experiences. And I've kind of broken that tradition by talking about it. And what that has engendered or what, what's happened since then is now I'm kind of forcing myself into a corner where I have to keep talking about it endlessly. So I probably would have been better off not to ever talk about it because the thing is you can't describe these moments. But it's not experienced by a person. And he says, or at least in my paraphrase, Dogen says uh, that... Having thoughts about it, uh, let's see, having thoughts about what realization will be like doesn't help you attain realization. I think a lot of us have the sense that if we have thoughts about realization, it's going to help us because I think that's how we often figure out how to find things, you know. We picture it in our minds. Somebody says, I lost a key, right? And you don't know what their key looks like, but you have in mind a general perception or general idea of what keys look like. You know, they're shiny, metallic things. You know, they have a certain shape. They have a round bit on the top or a square bit on the top and a skinny bit on the bottom. You know, you know what a key looks like. So you start, you put that, you fix that in your mind and you start looking for anything that looks like that. I think that's what a lot of us do with the idea of enlightenment. We, we have an idea of what we think enlightenment ought to be, and we're continuously looking for that thing, and we think that our thoughts about what enlightenment will be will help us find that thing the, the same way as our idea about what a key looks like is going to help us find our friend's key. But it doesn't work like that. However, Dogen gives us a nice little way out, uh, he says, even so, the fact that realization is nothing like you imagine it will be doesn't mean it's bad to have thoughts about what realization will be like. So it doesn't, it's not bad to have these thoughts. You, you shouldn't, you know, give yourself a hard time for having thoughts about what realization will be like. I've done that too, but it doesn't matter. And Dogen goes on, he says, it doesn't even mean that the thoughts you had before realization were without power. The thinking you had before realization was itself an aspect of realization. It's just that you were directing it the wrong way. Sakasama is the word he uses for wrong way. And I always think of somebody somersaulting when I hear the word sakasama. It doesn't really mean somersault, but that's the image it gives me in my mind. And you thought such thinking was useless. And then he says, whenever you feel useless, know this. It's just because you're afraid of being small rather than trying to understand what you are at this very moment and just being exactly as you are. Now that, I took some liberties in my paraphrasing. And I will read you Nishijima and Cross's version. It says, whenever we feel that we are useless, there is something that we should know, namely that we have been afraid of becoming small. 
And right after the word small, he has a footnote, which says, because we are worried about becoming small, we try to become better instead of realizing ourselves in the moment. So what I did there with my paraphrase is I just combined my version of what Dogen is saying with Nishima and Cross's footnote explaining what Dogen is saying. And that idea of uh, a fear of becoming small. Uh, let's see. What does he say? Whenever we feel that we are useless, there's something we should know. Namely, we've been afraid of becoming small. Uh, feeling that you're useless is kind of a common thing that we have. And, uh, you know, in the context of this essay, you don't want to go too far from it. You don't want to make it that general, you know, I was feeling that I was useless. But it's kind of like that. So, so he is talking about that, among other things. But he's also talking about the idea that our thoughts that we had before realization are useless. Everything you're doing right now is contributing to your ultimate enlightenment in some way. Sometimes it's contributing negatively in the sense that you're going to realize, oh my God, I was doing the wrong thing or I was thinking the wrong thing or, or something like that. And sometimes it's contributing positively. But everything that you're doing right now is part of that process. And the fear of becoming small is a fear of Let's see. You're trying to become better instead of realizing yourself at the present moment. I mean, this is what we all do in Buddhism. We're, we're trying to become a better person. Uh, Kodo Sawaki is especially brutal on that point. He says that Buddhism has nothing to do, Zazen has nothing to do with becoming a better person. It's realizing what you are at this moment. The concept of a better person is kind of a fiction that we create that mostly gets in the way of actual improvement, if you really want to get down to it. And I improvement itself is a bit of a, a, a mistaken concept. You are only just as you are right now. Improvement means you're comparing what you are right now with what you remember yourself being in the past, or you're comparing what you are right now with what you hope to become in the future. But there is only this moment right now, and that is what Zazen practice is working on, is focusing on. Then Dogen goes on, he says, if realization came about through the power of thoughts we had before realization, that kind of realization would be unreliable. This is my paraphrase again. But the idea is that the ideas that you have about realization are just ideas, and anything that came about through the power of those ideas would be unreliable. Realization comes about, this is Dogen again, through the power of realization alone. It far transcends the time before realization and does not rely upon what is prior to realization. And next comes my one of my favorite lines. I wouldn't say my very favorite line. I don't know what's my favorite line in this, but he says, Remember, there is no delusion, and remember, there is no realization. So the idea of delusion as contrasted with realization is another thing that we put in the way of actual realization. So actual realization is what is going on right now at this very moment, even though we can also divide it up into before and after realization. I know that's contradictory, but 
the world is contradictory. Life is contradictory. And that's one of the things Dogen plays with throughout Shobogenzo, is he deliberately contradicts himself. So he says there's no difference between before and after realization, and then says there's a big difference before and after, uh, between before and after realization, which I always liken to that meme about, um, what's his name, uh, Giorgio Tsukulos from the TV show Ancient Aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. Dogen is often saying, I'm not saying it was aliens, but it's aliens. I'm not saying it's realization, but it's realization. I'm not saying there's no before and after realization, but there's no before and after realization. It gets like that a lot. And that's just the way it is. The contradiction Addictions are inherent within reality itself. The next bit of Dogen's essay goes, When the supreme state of Bodhi is a person, the supreme state is called a Buddha. When a Buddha is in the supreme state of Bodhi, that is called the supreme state of Bodhi. So here he's going on a little bit further into this idea of what is a person. So he says when the supreme state of Bodhi is a person, Bodhi is enlightenment, we call it Buddha. Uh, Hotoke is the word he actually uses in Japanese, which is just a kind of common word for Buddha. That is called Buddha. That is, yeah, that's what he says. That is called Buddha. So when the supreme state of Bodhi is a person, that is a Buddha. Meaning it's not that the person gets the supreme state of Bodhi. It's when the supreme state of Bodhi sort of incarnates as a person. And when I say incarnate as a person, it doesn't necessarily mean that from the time the person is born until the time the person dies in our conventional understanding, that person is supremely enlightened. But in this moment, a person may incarnate as a Buddha. So somebody may be the Buddha right now and remain the Buddha for 12 and a half seconds and then go back to being something else entirely or just a, a regular person. That can happen. And that's what we call a Buddha. And then he further goes, uh, when Buddha is in the supreme state of Bodhi, we call that the supreme state of Bodhi. So he's kind of going on that the, the supreme state of Bodhi is the thing that we are looking at and not the person that is supposedly a Buddha. So this is what he means by, well, I don't know if I've explained this well enough, but this is what I think he means by the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person. It is known only when you put away your notion of being a person, when you put away your notion of being an individual. And you can't really do that by thinking it through or by hearing a podcast that tells you you're not a person or by deciding that that's what you believe from now on, it doesn't work like that. It happens rather spontaneously, and that is what realization is. And nobody knows what realization is, and nobody really understands how it comes about. Uh, about the only thing that you can do in terms of... Um, making realization happen. You can't make realization happen. You can become very, very quiet so that you might be able to notice your realization when realization does happen. 
but you can't make it happen. And people who try to make it happen just end up making themselves crazy. And some of them make themselves crazy enough to think that they've made realization happen and then they become a menace to society, if you ask me. But that's, that's not what we're doing in this practice. So I think I'm going to stop there because I've said a lot and I've kind of gone on about the main thing I wanted to talk about, which is that first line, the Buddha Dharma cannot be known by a person and, and how it works in, in the first couple lines of this. And I'll go on with the rest uh, next time. So remember that this podcast is supported by your donations. And if you want to donate, you can go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. And that's where you will find my links to PayPal, links to my PayPal and Patreon pages. And those are my main way of making a living. So I thank you for for your support. But as I said right at the beginning, this is offered for free. So you don't got to donate if you don't want to. So that's it for me for now for this podcast. We will see you next time. Have a good time all the time. Laters. Bye.